0: want to lead into tonight's message, and there's a connection as will be no surprise to you between the video you just watched, and the wonderful intercessory prayers you just offered with regard to persecuted Christians. It begs the question, why does it happen? Why is it increasingly happening? What is it about us that to some is very repulsive. What's the cause of the animosity, the hatred, the hostility? What have we done? What's so repulsive about good news of a pardon, of forgiveness, of sins forgiven, and of adoption into the very family of God? Why would anyone respond with hostility to such a message of peace uh, between sinful man and a holy god who is otherwise unapproachable uh, i was thinking about it and i came up with some thoughts that maybe you'll find palatable maybe not they sprung into my mind as a result of a passage i've been memorizing first john chapter 3 verse 1 see how great see to what extent see how great a love the father has bestowed upon us, now it is described, that we, believers, should be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason, that we are called children of God. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. The Lord Jesus was known by name, but not known in terms of his essential being. He was not known widely as Son of God and Savior of all who call upon him. Those who follow him are known in a sense, but they're not known fully. Do you know when you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are converted by his grace, when he takes you up into his arms, Because you've invited him into your heart when he has forgiven your sins and thus resolved the alienation between you and he do you know he pronounces upon you that you are a chosen race a holy nation and a royal priesthood and do you know people of the world disconnected from him don't know that to be true of you If I can use the vernacular, they don't know who they're messing with. And I don't mean because we're so tough and so strong and we would fight back using temporal earthly weaponry. No, not at all. What I mean is they don't know whose we are. They don't know that the Lord has put His imprint upon us To be called a Christian, a Christ one, means to be taken up into the very arms of the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, the only begotten Son of God with whom the Father is well pleased. And herein is the basis, I think, of what is otherwise, you would agree, an irrational hostility and animosity towards Christians who come only bearing the most marvelous message known to humankind. It can only be explained in terms of spiritual realities, and so I've come to this conclusion to be chosen by God is a great blessing, but that blessing will bring with it the hatred of those who are not connected to God. That's the way it is. And I want to demonstrate that harsh reality to you in the text before us tonight. I think it's located there. It's in Numbers chapter 20. You know, we've been journeying through Israel on her journey in the wilderness. And I think there's something for us in this episode concerning ancient Israel tonight. It's in Numbers chapter 20. And I'd like for us to begin In verse 14, we won't go too far, just a a paragraph, you might say. Numbers chapter 20, verse 14, uh, it says, From Kadesh, that's where they were camped, Israel, after 40 years in the desert, and soon they will cross over into the land of Canaan, the land of promise. So from this place, Kadesh, Moses, their leader, then sent messengers to the king of Edom. Edom, located in present day Jordan, the southern part of Jordan, to the east of Israel. So what would separate Israel from Jordan is a valley, the Jordan River Valley. And so on the West of it is Israel, and on the east of it is Jordan. And in the southern part of Jordan is the territory of the Edomites, meaning red, because many of the mountains in the area take on a reddish hue. Some here have been to Petra. Petra would be in this territory, Edomite territory. It was a large territory. It went from the south around the Gulf of Aqaba. And then it would go north. And it would go east, way into the Arabian desert. Moses sent messengers to this leader of that area, the king of Edom. And he says, thus your brother Israel has said. What does he mean, your brother Israel? Do you know before Israel was called Israel, it was Jacob. You remember when Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And Jacob had a brother. Do you remember what his brother's name was? Yeah, Esau. They were twins, were they not? In fact, they're the first twins mentioned in the Bible. A bit of Bible trivia for you. You can impress your friends later. First twins in the Bible, Jacob and Esau. They had the same parents. That is what made them to be brothers. And so their parents were Isaac and Rebekah they were brothers. Jacob was the ancestor of the Israelites. Esau was the ancestor of these Edomites. Moses is calling upon that in his introductory statement. He's trying to bring to the memory of the king of Edom that their kinfolk, treat me as kin, king of Edom, we're related. That's the point. Now he brings to his mind something else. You know all the hardship that has befallen us, that our fathers went down to Egypt. And we stayed in Egypt a long time. How long a time? Do you remember how long they were there? 400 plus years, wasn't it? And the Egyptians treated us and our fathers badly. But when we cried out to the Lord, he heard, by the way, that... Is a biblical reality for every day. When we cried out to the Lord, he heard. You see it? It doesn't have to do with the virtue, inherent goodness of the one crying out. It has to do with the one being cried out to. When we cried out, he heard. I hope you're developing the habit of crying out. Uh, to the God who will hear your cry. Uh, He heard our voice and he sent an angel. Do you remember uh, the angel who passed over the homes of the Israelites when they applied the blood of the lamb to the doorposts of their houses? It was Passover, Pesach. The angel of death passed over their homes because of the blood applied by faith. So, Moses is reminding the Edomite king of this history of God's gracious provision. He brought us out from Egypt. Now behold, we are at Kadesh, a town on the edge of your territory. It's quite a brilliant thing. Moses is about to make a request. Before he does, he says, let me remind you, we're kin, number one. Number two, would you dare oppose us when in fact... God has made us his friends and not his enemies. Can you see the record of God's deliverance of us? Would you therefore oppose us? And so now, those introductory words being stated, Moses makes a request. I'll read it to you. It's in verse 17. I'd like you to be thinking as I'm reading, is it unreasonable what Moses is asking here? Use your reason in answering the question. Is what Moses is about to request, is it unreasonable? Here's what he, please let us pass through your land. It's a very strong implication. This is not our land, it's your land. Please let us pass, please let us pass through your land. We will not pass through field or vineyard. We will not even drink water from a well. We will go along the king's highway, not turning to the right or left until we pass through your territory, your land, your territory. We only ask for permission, please, to pass through it. What do you think of the request? Was it harsh? Was it demanding? Wasn't it reasonable? Wasn't it respectful? Wasn't it, wasn't it gentle? In about two days, they'd be out of there. They just want to pass through. It's a good way to travel to the land of promise. Could we do it? We're kin. Remember Jacob, Esau, and God heard our cry and delivered us? Would you oppose God? Can we just pass through? By the way, we won't use your water. You know water is more valuable than gold in the Middle East. We are beginning to sense just how valuable water is, are we not, in its absence here? So Moses, being sensitive, essentially says, we won't dip into your... We'll bring our own water. Remember, God provided it miraculously from a rock, did he not? At Kadesh. They'll fill containers. They'll carry over... We'll carry our own water. Would you allow us... Would you allow us to to do this very sensitive let me let me just highlight exactly geographically what's going on uh, by inviting you to give your attention to this map which we'll put up for you right there there it is i haven't used one of these in years and years and uh, here we go so here's the mediterranean sea egypt do you see right here that's where israel was in bondage and they're up here right now right around here this is the Sinai Peninsula. Sinai, this is all of Israel. Down here is the Sinai Peninsula. And here's Edom we spoke about. Petra I mentioned. Some have been to Petra. See, in Edomite territory. Israel right around there. They want to go this way. That's all. They want to go. Th- Can we go this way? And then travel north. And this way. Into, into the land of That's the request. I'll show you this a little more clearly uh, by asking you to look to this next map. A little more detailed development. So once again, you see, here's the land of Goshen, where Israel was in Egypt, and then they come this away, and uh, here's the Red Sea, here's the Gulf of Aqaba, and right here is a place called Eilat, right here, Eilat. It's a southern, it's a beautiful place. You can go scuba diving in Eilat. It's uh, It's a vacation place, and some Some terrible folk, hateful folk, came through the Sinai this Sinai Peninsula right here, just a few days ago, and they uh, they came into Israel. They snuck in right here, right around a lot, and they uh, attacked a bus on which were Israeli civilians. Did you hear about it? Yeah, they killed eight of them, and then they set off a bomb, knowing military folks and. Others would come, they'd kill them too. They succeeded, they killed one soldier. He was in the Golani brigade. I know the Golani brigade because on our last service tour to Israel in June, we went there. I wondered if he was one we visited, dead now. Why such hatred, why such hostility that you would kill civilians, unarmed civilians? So anyway, that's the way it is. So uh, oh, they're they they're here. They're up here at Kadesh. This is Kadesh, and they want to cross over. That's all. They want to cross over here into the and they want to travel on a road, a north south road. Then they'll come into the Holy Land around Jericho. That's that's kind of what they they want to do. Uh, they want to travel on a road uh, which was well known, well traveled by military. Uh, personnel and also traders. It was called the King's Highway. So here it is. You have a good picture. See this blue line here? This is the King's Highway. King's Highway. So it would go all the way from the south of the Dead Sea, Gulf of Aqaba, all the way. You could travel it to Damascus. See Damascus right up there? That's the capital of Syria in the news today. And that's what they want to do, not all the way up to Damascus. No, they want to come here in the south, cross over, get on the King's Highway, and then come back into the land this way. That's the best way to go. They asked for permission to do that, you see. So they want to travel on the King's Highway. By the way, you can do it today. Here, let me show you a photo of a little bit of the King's Highway. There it is. If you went to Jordan, you could travel on this ancient road right today. That's the King's highway it is still there in jordan i've been on it it's a real it's a real road so that gives you an idea of the geography of things, and this then is Moses' request. They say, this is a good route for us to the land of promise. We don't want to take your land. That is not part of the territory God promised us to get to the land of promise, however. We're only asking for permission to pass through your land. Reasonable, it sounds. Well, here's the response of the king of Edom, verse 18. Edom, however, said to him, you shall not. Pass through us, or I will come out with the sword against you. So uh, what we have here is not just a no, nor is it merely a no way. What we have is, if you do, we will come out against you with the sword. Folks, this is, a, uh, this is an example of irrational hostility. It just does not make sense. I, I I, just, I don't get it. Moses now would have every right, I think, to maybe threaten this guy with military action. He could say, look, we've tried to be nice, but now uh, buckle up, you know, we're, let's go to war. But he doesn't. He uses a bit of more diplomacy, verse 19. Again, the sons of Israel said to him, we, we will go up by the highway and... If I and my livestock do drink any of your water, then I will pay its price. Let me only pass through on my feet, nothing else. So he tries a little more diplomacy, no threat whatsoever. And, of course, the reasonable response would be, Oh, okay, we don't exactly like you, but we have no reason to actually hate you. And we're not going to have to live with you. You're just going to pass through, and we'll be compensated for any infringement on our natural resources. Okay, let's do it. But you don't, you don't get that. You get verse 20. Uh, he said, you shall not pass through. And Edom came out against him with a heavy force and with a strong hand. Israel wasn't even there yet. They're still in Kadesh. And the king of Edom calls his troops together and posts them along the king's highway in anticipation of Israel daring to come that way. Please explain this to me. It's perplexing. I don't understand the hostility. What has this guy? What possesses? The Edomites, why such hatred with regard to the the Israelites? So, verse 21, Edom refused to allow Israel to pass through his territory, and so Israel turned away from him. So I was thinking, where is the explanation for such animosity? And I found out uh, that it goes way back. The animosity between those who presently dwell in this part of the world, Jews, Arabs, what's up? What's behind the historical animosity, hatred of Jews? I don't get it. Uh, I don't think we're so likable. That's not my point. I don't think we have to be liked. Why do people want to put us in ovens and burn us alive? I don't understand this. What have we done? What's the deal? Why do the countries of the world, even I told you about the latest massacre in Israel of civilians, why why not one word from the United Nations about it? I don't understand it. What is What is... Why does our president want us to give back land we took this Sinai when attacked by people who want to kill us? I don't, I don't get it. What's the deal? What have we done that's so terrible? Tell me, why such persecution of the Jews? Why such hatred? Why is it that Palestinian leadership won't even recognize our right to exist. And the United Nations soon in September will force Israel's hand into a two-state solution even without Israel at the negotiating table. I don't understand this. How could Israel negotiate peace with a people group that won't recognize the Jewish right to exist? We have one Jewish state That's what it is. 7.4 million people. (laughs) One and a half million are not even Jews. They're Arabs. Citizens of Israel. That means we got five and a half million Jews. A little more than the population of Houston. (laughs) There are 50 Muslim-dominated countries in the world. 50. We have one Jewish state. Why do you want to drive us into the sea? Why? Tell me. Why is the alignment of world nations even now, once again, turning against Israel? Tell me. I don't get it. I don't get it. What have we done? What is the deal? So I went back to Genesis, and I think I found the answer. Uh, the roots of this begin in the Book of Beginnings, Genesis. I'll tell you what happened there. God chose someone, and his name is Abraham. He didn't choose anyone else for what he chose Abraham to do. I suppose that would have offended others, but this was God's sovereign choice. God chose Abraham. Out of the population of the world, he chose one, Abraham through whom he would enter into covenant. And he said, through you, the nations of the world will be blessed. And by the way, Abraham, I'll bless those who bless you, but I'll curse those who curse you. He chose Abraham. He would be the one, his people through whom the messianic line would be perpetuated. The Messiah, Jesus, would come through the line of Abraham. then Abraham had two sons with a woman named Sarah. You know the story. I read about this, first book of the Bible. Isaac and Ishmael had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. God decided to choose one of those. Also, uh, to enter into covenant with, to give land to, through whom the line of Messiah would flow. And it was Isaac, wasn't it? Not Ishmael. And so, uh, I even read this in Genesis chapter 17, verses 18 and 19. Abraham said to God, Abraham himself said to God, Oh, that Ishmael, not Isaac, that Ishmael might live before you. But God said, no. God said, no. Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son. You shall call his name Yitzchak, Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him. For an everlasting, everlasting means everlasting. It doesn't mean God comes to a point where he gets sufficiently fed up with us that he dumps us. No everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So please understand this. And if you don't like this, argue with God. I didn't make these choices. It's even perplexing to Abraham. God chooses Abraham, and then God chooses Abraham's son Isaac, not Ishmael, through whom a covenant would be established, through whom Messiah would come, through whom God would provide a land, a place, a Savior. Well, then Isaac had two sons with Rebekah. brings us to our story here, at least the ramifications of it, in Numbers 20. Isaac and Rebekah had two boys, as I mentioned, Jacob and Esau, twins, brothers. They began struggling, even in Rebekah's womb. She was perplexed about it. She cried out. She said, what is happening inside me? God is good and gracious. He heard her and answered in Genesis 25, verse 23, he said, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. That is not customary. The older, Esau, shall serve the younger, Jacob. The stronger, Israel, will be the people of covenant. You have a problem with this, not politically correct? I don't care it is spiritually correct. Read Genesis. I take my marching orders here, so do persecuted Christians around the world. If, you, if the Bible is your authority, I don't care what the United Nations is coming up with. I don't care what our president's coming up with. Genesis chapter 25 tells me what's happening. In Rebecca's womb, so these two twins, who are struggling even in womb, become our representatives of two nations. One would be chosen to be in the line of covenant. Those are Jacob's descendants, the Israelites, and specifically not Esau's descendants, the Edomites. That's what it says. And herein I found the explanation for what happened in Numbers 20, the irrational hostility on the part of the Edomites towards the Israelites. Dear folks, to be blessed by God is to be hated by those who don't know God. Welcome to the real world. To be blessedly chosen by God is to be hated by those who do not know God. God and that is the explanation for what happened in Numbers 20. That is the explanation for what's happening today in the Middle East. This is the explanation for the unreasonably hostile response on the part of the Edomites towards the Israel. Terrible resentment. Why aren't we chosen to be covenant people? Why haven't we been given the land of promise? Why isn't the Savior from us?" And so that behind the scenes spiritual battle continues down to this very day. And the reason why the world leaders can't make peace in the Middle East is because they're confounded by all this They have no eyes to see reality behind the scenes. They only see geopolitical realities you see. They don't see spiritual realities. They don't see that whom God chooses will be targeted by Satan. They don't see that. And that's what's happened down to this very day. Israel was blessed. And as a result, Israel was And still is hated. That explains hatred of Jews by non-Jews. There is a connection between election and persecution. There is a connection between being chosen, elected by God, and persecution. I read to you a passage that is disturbing to many. Malachi chapter 1 Verses 1 to 3, listen, the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. God wants Malachi to say something to Israel, and here it is, I have loved you. That's the love letter from God to Israel. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Could I please be clear about this? I am not defending any virtue in my people. God declares again his love for my people, and my people say, Really? How have you loved us? If you don't think that hurts me to read that, you are wrong. I am not pro-Israel. I'm pro-Bible. I am not defending Israel. I know what we deserve. I'm defending the character of God, whose grace is greater than all our sin. That's what I'm up to. How have you loved us, they say, and God responds. Was not Esau, so we're back to it again, was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet, aren't they brothers, God says, Yet I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. And I have made his mountains, Mount Seir, the mountains of Edom, a desolation, and appointed his inheritance for the jackals of the wilderness. Now, don't get tripped up by words. No context. The words love, hate are not a reflection of God's emotions. They're a representation of God's choices. When God says, I have loved Jacob, he simply means, I chose Jacob. When he says, I have hated Esau, it's not the human emotion of hate. Trust me here. You have to study the languages to get this. This is not God. When he says, I have hated Esau, Esau. It means I have not chosen Esau to be the line of Messiah. I have not chosen Esau to inherit the land of Canaan in which the Messiah would be born, crucified, buried, resurrected, ascended, return, and establish his earthly rule. I've chosen Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants to be the messianic line. That's what, it, that's what it says. This is God's sovereign choice. And the one who would be like the most high God, Satan, Satan, hates this. Hence the irrational, demonic, devilish hatred and attempts at exterminating the Jews down to this very day. That's the explanation. That is the explanation for the Middle East crisis. And it's only going to expand in the days ahead. So this being the case, even centuries after the Genesis account, you can see the irrational animosity and hostility towards Jacob's descendants (laughs) in Numbers chapter 20 and down to this very day. One of the people in this church went to a Middle Eastern restaurant somewhere not long ago. Sat there and enjoyed Middle Eastern food. Arab people owned the restaurant. It was delicious, I'm sure. Uh, And being a wonderful lady, she extended herself to the waiter, an Arab young man with friendly conversation and all the rest, and I, I don't know, I guess she assumed he being an Arab and me being a Jew, you know, that'd be a good basis of conversation, so she said, one of our pastors is a Jew, and he said, I hate the Jews, we want to kill them, right here in our good old town, Middle Eastern restaurant so she came to me, she was just overwhelmed and perplexed. She said, why, why, why do you hate? There is no answer. This poor guy couldn't give an answer. That guy is not the enemy. I'll tell you who the enemy is. The enemy is Satan, who has filled him with darkness. Me too, it would be me too, but for the grace of God. We're not permitted the luxury of hating another person. That's a luxury we once enjoyed as unbelievers. Now we're given the privilege of forgiveness. We don't hate. We're not allowed to hate. Don't do that. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. By the way, time doesn't allow, but if I directed you to the book of Obadiah, you would see how God dealt historically with the Edomites for the way they treated the Israelites. Don't mess with us. I don't mean because we're strong. We're not. Look at us. We're puny. Look it. Look. I stop here. That's it. I'm like the giant in my family. So, so it has nothing to do. It's all the grace of God. Okay, now this is about Israel and all the rest. And I must end with this point. Let me speak to my fellow Christians. My primary people group is you guys, and I'm thrilled. I have more uh, affiliation and affinity for fellow believers, Gentile believers, than my unsaved Jewish relatives. My value system resonates with your value system because our values come from the Messiah. We are truly family. So I want to speak to my, my family here. John 15, verses 18 to 19 our Lord and our leader speaks. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But... Because you are not of the world. But I chose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. Now we have the explanation for what's happening to us today. Unfairness says, mistreatment legislation designed to extinguish prayers in the name of Jesus. Bible study in schools. A biblical stance on sexuality. The sanctity of human life. Now we see what's happening. The darkness could not stand the light because their deeds were evil. And we see that the irrational, nonsensical, listen to me, draw a cartoon about Mohammed and the Muslim world will be at your doorstep. But sitcoms galore diminish our Savior, His virtue, and the legitimacy of our devotion to Him were a bunch of narrow-minded uneducated, country bumpkins. That's how we are portrayed. Now I understand why. Don't take it personally. If the world hates you, you know it has hated me before you. If you were of the world, it would love you. You would be of it. But because you're not of the world, I chose you. Because of this, the world hates you. So I close with this. Rejoice. Do you know this kind of irrational uh, unfairness and untreatment and prejudice and even persecution unto death? Do you know it's a very confirmatory sign of whose we are? That's why one of the Beatitudes says, blessed. Blessed are you when men persecute you. When it happens to you in the workplace, in school, in the supermarket, in your neighborhood, then you say, "Ah, Oh God, this hurts. But I can handle the frown of mankind knowing I have the smile of Almighty God. Wouldn't you rather be blessedly chosen by God, receive a full pardon, be gloriously adopted into his family, be known personally by him by name, and live with the hopeful expectation of seeing your Savior face to face and worshiping him with a throng of like-minded others throughout eternity? Wouldn't you rather be chosen for it than to be loved by the world. Me too! That's the right answer. Therefore, don't get so hot and bothered when the world doesn't treat us fairly. Say, ah! There's a connection between election and persecution. Persecute me and you enhance my identity. I belong to the Lord Jesus. You just proved it to me, persecutor. Your persecution is irrationally hostile, which shows me I belong to Jesus. I don't belong to this world anymore. My citizenship is in heaven. Isn't that good? Blessed are you when they persecute you for my name's sake. Lord Jesus, we don't ask for it nor welcome it but we won't hide from it either. We won't compromise and we will not deny you, not you, who are unashamed of us. It all began for us in baptism, didn't it, Lord? Public identification. That's only the starting point. Now we publicly identify with you in all ways, in the way we live, in what we say, in what we believe, and what we declare and who we bow before, you, and who we don't. Thank you for choosing us. And you've chosen us to spread the wealth. We know that. We want to do that. But no matter what happens, Lord Jesus, please strengthen us so that we will not compromise our ways, not so want to fit in with those who have no place for us, that we have to deny you. Oh, no. Better to be in allegiance with you than than to be a friend to the world. No, God, as they treated you so irrationally and with such hostility, you came a bearer of such marvelously good news. Why should it be different for us? It will not be. It is a joy even to suffer for your name's sake should that be our lot in life. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.